All right. Well, it's good to have you with us this morning. I'm excited about God's Word today, and so I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to First Peter, the book of First Peter, and we are going to look at chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, and we're talking about hope. Everyone say the word hope. Hope is a very interesting word, and many times in our vocabulary today, in, in our culture today, it's, it's, it's not necessarily used in a positive sense like its, like it's origin uh, in Scripture was used. As a matter of fact, the, the original meaning of it means a favorable and a confident expectation. A favorable and a confident expectation. But many times we hear today in, in, in along the lines of a, uh, more, quite frequently in, in, a, in a negative or a hopeless sense. Well, I sure hope so. Or, you know, I'm just not sure, but, you know, it looks like all hope is gone, that type of thing. But really, from a, from a Bible definition, it's, it's a favorable and a confident expectation. And expectancy. So we have to continue to ask ourselves. I'd like to challenge myself. And so, what am I expecting? I read a Chinese proverb many years ago. It said, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who expects nothing shall surely not be disappointed." <laughs> and so, you want to always you want to always be expecting something. That's what hope is about. And here in First Peter chapter one, beginning at verse three, it says. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we've been born again, basically saying we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So it's the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that lifts Christianity off the pages of all other religions. And, and it's the reality that our Lord and Savior is alive. He's risen from the dead and that we have been born again to a living hope. It's a past Reality. It's a historical fact that Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead. But we are also in the Bible promised a future resurrection for the body of Christ. And we're living in between those, that historical time and the future promise of a resurrection. And in, in this time frame, you can, you can relate to it as a time of tension or a time of, I refer to it as already, but not yet. You know, you have the promises, a reality of a resurrection, and all the promises in God's word that tells us that we've been born again to a living hope, a favorable, confident expectation. We have the promises of Scripture that God supplies our every need, that God has a plan and a purpose for you. He has good thoughts for you. He has a, a, a hope for you, and, and all these good, vital promises in the word of God. But we're not over here yet. We're not here yet. They're not, they're not completely fulfilled yet. So we live in this time frame in here already, but not yet, or it's a time of tension, or you can call it, a, it's a time of hope, hope and faith. Matter of fact, Hebrews 11 and verse 1 defines uh, faith as the substance of things hoped for, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. So in order for your faith to work, it's that you, have, you need to be hoping. You must be expecting something. If you're not expecting anything, you're not hoping for anything, you have no favorable, confident expectation that things are going to turn out well, then your faith has nothing to work for. 
I know I've used this illustration before, but until I come up with a better one, I'll continue to use it. If you have a better one, share it with me, because I'd love to have a better one someday. But over here on the wall, to, to my right, to your left, there's a thermostat, or to your right and to my left, there's a thermostat. The thermostats do what? Someone want to tell me what a thermostat does? Okay. <laughs> one at a time. Regulate. What the thermostat basically is doing, the thermostat does not heat the room, nor does it cool the room. But the thermostat will send a signal if you want to warm the room, the thermostat will send a signal to the furnace. The furnace, which is faith, will go to work and bring the room to the temperature that the thermostat is expecting. Or you can switch that around to cool the room. If you set it on cool, it will send a signal to the air conditioner and the air conditioners will come on and the electrical meter will start spinning like crazy and your room will cool down to what the thermostat is expecting. But if you don't set the thermostat, the air conditioner just sits out there all summer long, just sitting there, just sits there and sits there and sits there because it has nothing to do, even though it can do great things, the furnace can do great things, but if there's no expectation sent to the furnace to heat the room or expectations sent to the air conditioner to cool the room, the furnace or the air conditioner will sit by idle. There's nothing wrong with the furnace. There's nothing wrong with the air conditioner. It is ready to go at any time. It is ready to bring about your desired results. But until you send a signal to it, telling it what to do, sending a request to it, sending a favorable, confident expectation to it, it won't do anything. And so that's many times why people are frustrated when it comes to faith. They hear about faith, and they, and they, and they, and they read it in the Word of God, and, and you hear how it's working for other people, but when it comes to our own lives, sometimes we think, well, it's not working for me. It's just not working. It's just not working. Well, check the thermostat. It may not be a big deal. It may just need a thermostat. It may need a new thermostat. Or you need to recalibrate your thermostat. Recalibrate your expectation. What are you expecting? Are you expecting to receive from heaven by faith? Do you have any favorable, confident expectations that you're sending out there for your faith to go to work and to bring about that reality in your life. So that's, that's where we're living in. You know, Jesus Christ has been resurrected. There's a promise of a future resurrection where we're going to have glorified bodies. Everything is going to be just fine. Everything's going to be absolutely perfect. We have a promise of a redemption in this time frame that we're in. We have a promise of being redeemed from, from death, hell, and the grave, from sickness, disease, and poverty. We're redeemed from fear. We're redeemed from all these things, but we have to keep a favorable, confident expectation going, sending a signal to our faith to bring it about in our lives. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about having been born again to a living hope, a living hope. And it's because of Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13, it tells us that um, now abide faith, hope, and love. These three and the greatest of these is love. But it's not uncommon. I was just meditating on this verse for a little bit. It's not uncommon when I hear people mention, you know, I really need to, 
I, I really need to grow my faith. I need to develop my faith. Or you hear teachings that it's the importance of building up your most holy faith and, and doing the things you need to do to exercise your faith. And you hear people uh, on the other end of the spectrum here, it's not uncommon to hear someone talking about the importance of developing their love life. I really need to develop my walk of love. I really need to get a grip on God's love for me, and I really need to do a better job of walking in love towards other people. But how often do you hear people saying, you know what, I really need to develop my hope? I really need to work on my hope. I don't know if I ever heard anybody say that. I don't know if I ever even heard a message on it. I really need to develop my hope. I need to, I need to get a grip on this. Well, hope is just as important. Again, without the thermostat sending a signal to the furnace or the air conditioner, the furnace or the air conditioner will sit, sit by idle. They won't do anything. Your faith will sit idle. It won't do anything. It won't bring about any desired results without your hope, your favorable, confident expectation of something good is going to happen, sending that signal to your faith so that your faith can go to work and bring it about in your life. The importance of hope. So we're going to be talking about hope today and the next, uh, next week and possibly the week after that as well. But So we want to, want to be developing and growing in our hope just like we want to continue to grow in faith and to grow in our love. So again, hope being defined as a favorable and a confident expectation. It's important that we keep our hope our favorable, confident expectation on par with, with the promises of God's word. Bible hope, an eager expectation of something good God has provided. And we also need to understand that when it comes to hope, this, this eager expectation, favorable, confident expectation, it has to do with the unseen and the future. Hope, favorable, confident expectation has to do with the unseen and the future. If, if you want your room to be 68 degrees and the thermostat is at 68 degrees, it's not doing anything. But if you want the room to be 70, then you, you put the thermostat to 70 because your room is not 70. You want it to, you, you're sending, you're sending it to faith to do something that does not yet exist. If you want the room to be 68 and the thermostat is set at 68, that's fine. All is well. You don't need to be sending a favorable, confident expectation to the air conditioner. The room is the temperature that you want it to be. If your life is exactly what you want it to be, chill. You're fine. You're cool. You don't need, to, you don't need hope. You're ready to go to heaven. <laughs> how, many, how many people in here today, you could say, my life is exactly what I want it to be. I have no more favorable, confident expectations. I'm good. You know, I think we all have things where we should all be constantly dreaming and stretching and, 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 and accomplishing more for the kingdom of God. Even if we are satisfied in, in the flesh, even if you are financially secure and you have a healthy body and you say, you know what, life is good. I, I really, I'm, I'm a contented person. That's great. That's great. Re rejoice in that, but, 
put your hope into something else that's not yet seen. Maybe some more people that you're going to pray for to be born again. Someone else to be prayed for that is, is striving and believing God for a miracle healing or miracle provision in their lives. You know, there's always something to put your hope to, but this favorable, confident expectation always has to do with the future. In Romans chapter 8, the unseen and the future. In Romans 8, verse 24, it says, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Now, if, if, if something is a reality, you no longer hope for it. Like you may have gotten up this morning and thought, wow, I'm so excited. It's Sunday morning. I get to go to church and I get to hear Pastor Ray. I really hope he's there. And you showed up and we worship God and Pastor Ray is here and you're so excited. That's great. But you don't have to hope for it anymore. You see me, I'm here. But you can be hoping that he doesn't go real long because that's not a reality yet. You can be hoping for other things but that are not yet seen. But you see me, I see you. I was hoping you would be here. So I can put that to rest. I'm not working on that anymore, but I have other things to work on. So hope. We are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Why does one still hope for what he sees? But if one, verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Because when you're hoping, when you have a favorable on confident expectation for that which is not seen, you eagerly, that's that confident, favorable expectation, you wait for it with perseverance. You know, you, you go for it. When you adjust your thermostat, you don't take your hammer and smash it because you adjusted it a few degrees and your room didn't automatically in, in, in a nanosecond respond. No, you patiently wait for the temperature to rise or the temperature to drop, whatever your expectation was, whether it's air conditioning or heating. You know that the furnace kicked in and the room is going to get warmer or the air conditioning kicked on and your room is going to get cooler. You know that even though you sent hope to the unit, now you are waiting for it with eager expectation. Same thing in this realm of the spirit. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Your favorable, confident expectation puts your faith to work. That's why it's so important that you maintain a hope, that you have a hope, you have a dream. There's something you are reaching for, and it's something that you do not yet see. You see it with the eye of faith, but you don't see it with the natural eye. Once you see it with the natural eye, that, that's done. Move on to something else. That chapter is finished. Go to the next chapter. Go to the next book. Keep going through the stages of life that the Holy Spirit is leading you into and, and continue to go on. And hope is what keeps your faith alive. It's really what keeps our vitality in our Christian walk. It's what keeps us from getting burned out. It's what keeps us from getting discouraged and from, from uh, just giving up, you know, from saying, well, it's hopeless. I tried this and I tried that and nothing worked and it just seems like things are hopeless. It can seem like things are hopeless. There's an adversary that would like for you to believe that things are hopeless. There's an adversary that love for nothing more than do you just to give up and say, you know, I've, I've been persevering for, 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 for some time now and it's just, it's just not coming to pass. And it, for some, it may be something you've been persevering for for many years. 
Others that may just be, have been a few days or a few hours, but whatever it is, whatever it is that we are going through at the moment, it, it's a big deal. And, and it, it seems like many times we, it, we have to guard against embracing an attitude of hopelessness. The world system, the kingdom of darkness that Satan is the God of would like nothing more than to just fill your mind with hopeless thoughts and to fill your eyes with hopeless images and to make you believe that that's going to be your outcome as well. So it's important that we guard what we hear and what we see and not allow the world system to, uh, to, to steal us of our hope. See, in life, throughout the process of living, from day-to-day living, two things happen. Either your theology will conform to your reality, and your hope, your favorable, confident expectations will get smaller and smaller until you can hardly believe God for anything. In other words, I didn't say that, just erase that word. Either your theology will conform to your reality and your expectations are getting smaller and smaller and you can no longer believe God for anything. You were hoping, but something happened. It may have been a one-time monumental event, or it may have been a series of events that brought you to a place in life where it's now, the words are now coming out of your mouth, from your heart. You are thinking and you are saying, I was hoping. I was hoping. When you read the story in Luke chapter 24, it's about the, the, the men on the road to Emmaus. This was after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. These two disciples, they're, they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and they're lamenting, they're discouraged, they're talking about all the series of events that transpired over the last several days over the past week. The beginning of that story talks about the Passion Week, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. I could never understand why the Bible calls it a triumphal entry in Jerusalem. If you had a grand welcoming into a city one day, and within five or six days they killed you, hung you on a cross, would you title your story a triumphant entry? <laughs> but anyway, Jesus was crucified and buried. The disciples were hoping that he was the one that was going to be their leader, take over the government, and just make everything the way they had dreamt it could be and should be. They believed in Jesus. They followed Jesus. Jesus instructed them, when you read chronologically through the Gospels, when you put it together on three occasions, Jesus instructed his disciples that, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. But... I'm, on the third day, I will rise again. So the disciples were forewarned of a series of events that would happen, but yet when they saw these events with their natural eye, when they saw Jesus Christ being beaten on that cross, when they saw him shed his blood and die, give up his last breath and declare that it is finished. They witnessed him being buried. They, they had recognized all these things, but now they're leaving and they're on the road to Emmaus and Jesus appears to them. And they had no idea it was Jesus. 
And Jesus enters into a dialogue with them, and he asks them, what, are these thing, what things are you reasoning? What things are you talking about? And they look to Jesus and say, haven't you heard? Haven't you heard? Of course, Jesus is thinking, heard what? <laughs> you have no idea who you're asking, haven't you heard? But anyway, in that, in that chapter, in chapter 24 of Luke, in verse 21, the disciples, these two disciples responded to Jesus, and they said this. They said, we were hoping, but we were hoping, implying that they had hope. They said, we were hoping, but they lost it. They lost it. So the question for us this morning is, what is our but I was hoping moment. What is your, make it personal, what is my, but I was hoping moment. I had favorable, confident expectations. I was full of dreams, I was full of life, full of energy, full of vision, excited about tomorrow and the next day and the next. I was excited. I was hoping. I did have favorable, confident expectation. But what was your moment for the junior high and high school college students? What was your moment when you got discouraged? For adults, young adults, all adults, what was our moment when we said, wow, I was hoping. I had a dream. I had desires, but it didn't work out. Life is real. You're between this, you're living between this time that, yes, historically, Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. We have been born again into a living hope, and we have the promise of a future resurrection, but in between these two periods of time, there's a tension, and there's a reality. It's called life. And we have a, the promise of a living hope, the overarching promises of the blessings of God, having been redeemed, no longer have a spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind overarching the whole thing. But endeavoring to undercut the whole thing is, is that Satan and his demonic forces and religious, religious forces just trying to undermine and steal us of our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations. So that's the tensions going on. So it's important, yes, you identify. Jesus, you know, the disciples said we were hoping, but when you read through that story, and I encourage you to read it several times this week. Just read it over and over again. Luke chapter 24, just read it and just let the words of, of Jesus and, and the words of the disciples just and put yourself in the conversation. You're one of the disciples, you're on the road, and Jesus shows up, and you're not even cognizant that it is Jesus. Put yourself in that and you're having dialogue with Jesus, you're not even aware of it, but eventually, when they got to the house and they broke bread, their eyes were opened, and Jesus expounded the scriptures to them. He reminded them again. He brought back hope by expounding the scriptures to them. 
And folks, no matter what the circumstance, the situation that happened in your life, whether you're in junior high or whether you're a senior among seniors, you have it a moment that you can look back on and you can say, but I was hoping moment. Whatever that moment was, the cure for that is the same as what Jesus did for the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He took them to the scriptures and he expounded on the scriptures. You say, why expounding on the scriptures? Because our hope is birthed forth from the scriptures. In Romans 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, there's a story of Abraham. Abraham was an old man and God told him, He and his wife, they were both old, well past childbearing years, and God told them that they're going to have a baby. And Abraham, the scriptures tell us in verse 18 of Romans chapter 4, he believed, believed, contrary, says contrary to hope. Everyone say contrary to hope. It says contrary to hope, believed in hope. Folks, that is a powerful statement. Contrary to hope, he believed in hope. What is your hopeless situation? What is it in your life that, is, that is, doesn't look very hopeful? What is that moment when you can say, but I was hoping? Abraham could have said, yeah, I was hoping we'd have a child, but it's too late now. Sarah and I were both hoping we would have a child, but it's, you know, that's, we, we gave up on that. We were hoping. No, God came to him and said, you're going to have a child. And Abraham, contrary to hope, made a decision to believe, to believe in hope. And if you read the rest of the verses, there it says, according to what was spoken. Jesus took the disciples back to the word, expounded the scriptures to them. Abraham, contrary to hope, believed in hope based on what was spoken to him. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. Boy, I keep giving you wrong numbers. Romans 15 and verse 4. Romans 15 and verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope, favorable, confident expectation. How does confident, favorable expectation come? Through the scriptures. Now I'm going to ask you again. How does favorable, confident expectation come to you? Through the scriptures, Abraham believed according to the scriptures. Jesus took the two disciples back to the scriptures, expanded them to them again. They had heard it personally from the master himself that he would be resurrected from the dead. But yet when they saw, when they witnessed with their own eyes, they witnessed his, his uh, crucifixion on the cross, they, they, hope was gone. They dissipated. It dissipated. They said, we were hoping so it was, it was gone. So the scriptures give birth to it, and the scriptures will give a rebirth to the hope that you've had, no matter what it was that came and stole it from you. And then in Romans chapter 15, go down to verse 13. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is generated through the scriptures and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're feeling like the disciples. You're saying like the disciples, we were hoping. We had great expectations for Jesus. We saw him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. We were all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And most of the crowd that was shouting that at the beginning of the week are the ones that were shouting at the end of the week, crucify him, crucify him. But anyway, uh, so they were believing that this Jesus was going to be the new ruler, the new governor, and things were going to be decent and in order, and things were going to be favorable in, in, in their lives, as this, and they're no longer going to be under Roman rule, but Jesus Christ was going to redeem them from this. None of that turned out the way they were expecting it to turn out, and they became discouraged. They lost hope, but Jesus brought it back to them by going back and saying, listen, I'm sure he said, at least if I told you once, I told you a thousand times that yes, I'm going to be crucified, but I will rise again on the third day, and then he opened the scriptures to them, and their eyes were opened. Here it's telling us that, that through the scriptures, through the believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One more scripture, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 and verse, verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Now, I know that's New King James here. Today, we probably wouldn't say to hold fast the confession of your hope, but we would say it like this. You have that favorable, confident expectation. Keep speaking it. Keep declaring it. Keep believing it. Keep saying it. Write it on the mirror. Put it before your eyes. Keep it before you. Do not be afraid. One of the things that happens in our lives, and it's a, it's a tactic of the enemy, is that we have dreams and we have aspirations. They're God-given. They're God-breathed. They're word-based because we're spending time in the word. He gives us the desires of our heart because we're in relationship with him, and we have these desires and to do great things and, and to be pleasing to God and, and, and to make a mark and to leave a legacy. We have all these things we want to do, but boy, there's constant stuff coming against us to just chip away at our hope, to chip away at our confident expectation. And like I mentioned earlier, we, we, will, we will begin to settle for less than what God has created for us. And so that's why it's so important it's so important, like I mentioned to you, our reality will conform to our theology and our hope and our favorable expectation will get smaller until we can hardly believe God for anything. But on the other side of that, if you will apply these scriptures that I gave to you this morning, your reality will eventually conform to your theology and your favorable, confident expectation, your hope will become larger and larger until you can believe God for absolutely anything. 
There is nothing that will stop you. You are persuaded. You are convinced. You are like Father Abraham. The Bible calls him the father of our faith. Things may be contrary to hope, but even though it's contrary to hope, in hope, you are believing. And that belief, that favorable, confident expectation, it's not just a wish. It's not just some crazy thinking, some crazy thoughts, some crazy vision-type seminar you were just at. It is the foundation from the Word of God, Abraham contrary to hope he believed in hope according to say according to people say how can you be so confident how can you have this favorable expectation how can you be anticipating good out of all this evil that is surrounding us based on the word according to God's word I have a confident and a favorable expectation that all is well I have a favorable confident expectation I'm living a long healthy Bless life in Jesus' name. I'm not expecting to die young. I'm not expecting to die sick and withered and poor and broke and in poverty. I'm not expecting the worst. I am always expecting the best. Do I get attacked in those areas? Absolutely. Would the enemy like for me to surrender and to come into you next Sunday and say, well, I know last week I told you I'm going to live long and strong and I was hoping I would, but... That wouldn't be very fun, would it? No, see, your heart almost sank when I said that. I'm keeping favorable, confident expectation according to what is written. Amen? And when I am attacked, and when you are attacked, I want to encourage you to do something. Don't be so quick to try and diagnose yourself by going on Google whatever, Google Docker. If you don't know what you're doing, they'll have you dead and buried. You better get in the Word of God. Advertisements on any media platform are intended to sell product. They're not intended for your best interest. Just know that. Just know that. So I encourage you, if you want to keep your hope up, you want to get your hope up, get into the Word of God. And if you really want to get it jacked up, make sure you're here next week and bring someone with you. Amen? And if you really want to get it up, Make sure that you use that invite card and have the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in who to give that to and who to invite to church next Sunday. Amen? And if you don't invite someone with that invite card, we're going to question your salvation. (laughs) So, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now for an anointing and a grace on the invite cards that when people are invited, that we're being led by your Holy Spirit to the right persons to invite. And we just thank and we praise you. They're being received with favorable, confident expectation in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for everyone in here this morning that in Jesus' name, no matter what it is right now, this very moment, this very moment, again, whether you're in junior high or in senior high or an adult, makes no difference. We all have expectations. We have things we're hoping for. And we also have things that are coming against those dreams, those expectations. So I pray right now, Father, that in Jesus' name, that you would direct each one of us back to the promises of your word. Just like Jesus directed the disciples back to the word. He expanded the scriptures to them, restored their hope. Abraham, things looked hopeless, but he believed according to what was spoken 
in the covenant promises of God's word. We read in the scriptures in, in Romans chapter 3, chapter 15, verse 4, and, and verse 13, how hope comes to us through the word of God. So I'm praying, Father God, that you direct us to your word, that we would be quick, we would be quick to turn back to the word when we feel like our hope is dissipating. We'll turn to the word of God and we will get our hope fired up. We'll get it stirred up in Jesus' name and that hope will send the favorable, confident expectation signal to the air conditioners of our lives, to the furnaces of our lives, to our faith in you, Father God, faith in the name of Jesus, and we will see things turn out well to your glory and to your honor. Health, healing, financial miracles, favor with school, favor with making the team, favor with, with SATs, favor with college admissions, and favor with uh, uh, careers being applied for. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, name above all names, that you meet us where we are. And even though we may not be conscious of it, as the disciples were not even conscious that it was you, you are walking with us, you are talking with us, and we are hearing you as you take us back to the word and expound it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Folks, stick with the word of God. Amen. We love you. If you have any other need for prayer, some people would be happy to meet you up here and to pray with you. If you never accepted Christ, we'd love to just have an opportunity to pray with you and introduce you to Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you next Sunday morning. God bless you.